Okay, Esther chapter 1. Has everybody found it? It's, it's uh, I, I get tickled. Chuck Swindoll calls this the dusty part of our Bible. Um, you know, that might be being kind. There may be more than one dusty part of, of our Bibles, but that it's something we don't, we don't look at often. Esther chapter 1, beginning in the first verse. Now in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 120 provinces. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne in Susa, the citadel, in the third year of his reign, he gave a feast for all his officials and servants. The army of Persia and Media and the nobles and governors of the provinces were before him. While he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days. And when these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa, the citadel, both great and small, a feast lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars, and also couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of, of, porphyry, of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels, vessels of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king. And drinking was according to this edict, there is no compulsion, for the king had given orders to all this, the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women in the palace that belonged to King Ahasuerus. Where do you start? <laughs> Esther falls between Ezra chapter 6 and Ezra chapter 7. I know that just clears up. Tons of things. It's after Daniel. You remember that, that Israel had been, uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, had been conquered by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, and they'd been taken into exile. And then in, in Daniel chapter 5, that night that, that uh, Belshazzar was giving a feast and the, and the Medes and the Persians came in. They dammed up the Euphrates River. They walked under the walls of the city of Babylon and they conquered the Babylonians and Cyrus the Great was, was the king, the emperor, the ruler of, of the known world there, at least the, you know, from, from India basically to down into Ethiopia. Cyrus made a decree that, that the Jews could go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. This, this was all in, a, in accordance with what God had promised through the prophet Jeremiah, that after 70 years, that Babylonian empire would, I mean, Babylon would fall, Israel could return to the land and rebuild the, the, the temple. Now we've, we've, we've kind of uh, gone from 539, 538 B.C., the, the kind of the end of Daniel to a, around 483 B.C. So, so we've skipped what? 39 and 16. 55? Close enough? We've skipped about 55 years. About 
50,000 Jews went back to Israel to begin building that, the, the, the temple, rebuilding the temple. It, it took over 20 years to complete it. The temple's complete, but Israel, or the city of Jerusalem is still without a wall when, 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 this, when this begins. And we meet this king, this new king, the NIV probably is a, an easier name they would have Greek names and Persian names or Greek names and Babylonian names. His Greek name was Xerxes, and maybe you've, you remember him from, from, from history. Certainly easier to say Xerxes than Ahasuerus, but I'll try. And so if we interchange it, it's only because my tongue got tangled or as one guy said, my my, my tongue got tangled around my eye tooth and I couldn't see what I wanted to say. It's, 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 it's a difficult word to say. Do you remember Ahasuerus, Xerxes, from our study in Daniel? Just I, I, I want to give you opportunity if you remember. Oh, yeah, we read about him. Where? Well, it was Daniel chapter 11, verse 2. Just in case you were, where is Daniel? Okay. Let me just read that to you and just, just as sort of the context on, on who this is. Daniel 11. Is your chapter Daniel? Yeah, but just briefly, if you, I mean, you can turn there. Daniel 11, um, in, as, in this vision, that last vision of Daniel, remember chapter 10, 11, and 12 were, were, were the, just the, the last vision. And, 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 this angel of the Lord is telling Daniel what's going to happen. He says, now I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. That fourth king is Xerxes, is, is Ahasuerus. His, remember two things. The Battle of Marathon from, from ancient Greek history where the Persians had gone up into to Greece to, to try to conquer them. And, 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 and Persia is, is this great empire. And, and the king at that time was Darius. He was Xerxes' daddy. And he had gone up there and, and the Greeks beat him. And they, sent, and they sent this runner back to uh, Athens from Marathon. And he ran, you know, it was about 26.2 miles that he ran back. And, and hence the, 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 the road race, the run that we, you know, have even, even today to announce that we beat them. We, we drove them back. And then Darius went, went back home, was planning to invade Greece again and, and this, this uprising down in Egypt. You know, it's not easy being the ruler of the world. You have all these different little, little countries and cities and nations, you know, trying to revolt against you. And while Darius was planning to go and, and fight the Greeks again, there's a revolt down in Egypt. And before he could go down there and take care of that, he just died in around 486 B.C. And his son, Xerxes, became king. So it says this is in the third year of, of, 
Ahasuerus, Xerxes, that he sat on his throne. So around 483 B.C., he's, he's the king. He is that great king that Daniel 2 uh, prophesied about, or, or Daniel 11, verse 2, that, that, that the angel told Daniel, there's going to be a fourth great king of Persia. He's gonna, his riches are going to be glorious. And then he's going to try to, he's going to fight the, the, the Greeks. He's going to gather all his troops. Many scholars think that what he was doing with this party was gaining support, military support, financial support, just the support of the people before he could go back to Greece and, and um, revenge that defeat that the Greeks, that coalition of city-states, this is still 150 years before Alexander the Great, had, had that, that defeat the Greeks had on his father Darius. I, sorry, that was interesting to me. So Ahasuerus, he, he gathers all of these, all of his uh, leaders, all his officials and servants. He, he rules from India to Ethiopia. Think about that landmass. How many countries are in there today? You know, we couldn't even name them all. Well, somebody could, but, you know, that, that you've got, you know, India, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, uh, Yemen, and so on and so on. Jordan, um, Israel, Lebanon, Egypt, Ethiopia, which in, in some uh, translations it says Cush, the, the land of Cush. He gives this great feast, says the army's there. He's trying to, to, to gain their support. We're going to go back. We're going to expand. What's significant about that? Maybe this isn't significant, but they're moving from Asia and Africa to, to Greece, which is in Europe. He's even trying to go into the next continent to, to just build up that, that nation. It says he's got all of those, and he, what's he doing? He's showing his riches. First clue about Xerxes and, and his, his attitude. He's, he's boastful. He's showing his royal glory. Archaeologists have, have uncovered inscriptions that he wrote of himself. And, you know, there's been a lot of un... What's the opposite of unhumble? Uh, boastful, um, arrogant. His, his description of himself was king of kings. That, that that's just, the, you know, the pedestal that he sat himself up on. I'm Xerxes, I'm the king of kings. And, and from outside purposes, he was, you know, with all of this, this territory that, that, he, that he ruled. So he throws this great feast. I think in parentheses, it wouldn't be wrong to put party, that he has this feast, this party, he's showing off all this stuff. For how long does it last? 180 days, six months, half a year. I was going to look up and see how long Mardi Gras is. <laughs> I mean, it's not, what is, how long is Mardi Gras? Like three weeks or something? Yeah. At, I mean, this is the long, one of the longest parties. One guy I was listening to, um, I caught this podcast and he said, reminds me of my freshman year in college. <laughs> this, you know, uh, 
a six-month-long party. And, it, you know, and I think in parentheses, he could say, my first freshman year in college. You know, the second time through, it, the party didn't last that long. And he, and, he, and he goes through and he describes just all this, you know, how beautiful and all these uh, cotton curtains, these pure silver rods, marble pillars, couches of gold and silver on this mosaic pavement and just the extravagance of this. And he says that drinks were, you know, readily available. It's an open bar for this whole six-month party. But he says there's, here's the, the edict for the drinking. The king said there's no compulsion. Now, what does that mean? Well, well, normally it, you would have to drink what the king drank. But in this case, he brings out everything. And if you want wine, you can have it. If, and so on and so on and so on. You know, you can have whatever you want. You don't have to drink the same thing the king is drinking. You know, on the good side, if you don't want to drink, you don't have to. But that line's going to be really short. The ones just over getting the you know, iced tea or Dr. Pepper or whatever. That, you know, you can walk right up to that, to that fountain. And so they, they have this, this party for the nobles, the armies, for 180 days. And then he even goes farther, and he has a feast for everyone, the whole city from the lowest to the greatest for seven days. And while he's doing this, his queen Vashti gives a feast for the women. So they have the women, you know, in one palace and, and, and the guys that look like are outside in the garden of, of the king's palace. This is in, in the city of Susa. It's called a, a citadel, which is in modern-day Iran. Uh, the, the modern city near that or maybe perhaps built over it is Shusha. So just put a Put an H between the S and the, and the U. Shusha is the, is the modern city where, where they have this. It was, probably, it was one of several royal cities, king palaces, uh, kingly cities in, in uh, Persia. And they say that it was probably the winter palace for the king. And, and one ancient writer wrote, if you're not out of here by the 1st of June, you're in trouble because it's going to get really hot. And that in this part of Iran, the, the temperature would, would exceed like 120 degrees. You don't want to spend the summer there. But in the, in the, in the winter, in the fall and early spring, it's, it's not a bad place to be. So they're, they're having this, this great uh, party and followed by another seven days of, of everybody in, in the city. Okay, verse 10. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Muhuman, Bishthah, Harbanah, Bigthah, and Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the peoples and princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti re refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. 
At this, the king became enraged and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to his wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's per procedure toward all who were versed in the law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshanah, Shethar, Adm Admatha, Tarshish, Marys, Marcina, and Memucan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, what is to be done? This is, this is, uh, is, is the king asking those seven alleged wise men what, what to do. Verse 15, according to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti? Because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs. Then Mimucan said in the presence of the king and the officials, not only has the against the king has Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the king's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the of the queen's favor will say, to, say the same thing to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it pleases the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she, so when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Mimucan pro proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. So this six-month party... That decree? <laughs> this is the ruler of the world. I mean, he, he, he rules this vast territory from <laughs> India down to Ethiopia and all these languages, 127 provinces. And dare I say, he can't control one woman. <laughs> a fella could get in big trouble reading through this, you know, this, this passage. You almost wish the door, the, the room was reversed and the door was directly behind me. No. <laughs> so after all of this, and, and seven days of everybody drinking, you know, not just the... <laughs> The, 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 the army and the, and, and the leaders, the administration of King Xerxes, says his heart is merry with wine. He is, 
everything is good in, in the kingdom of Persia. And so he sends seven eunuchs over to the ladies' party and says, bring Vashti with her royal crown. What does she say? She says, I ain't going to do it. It's... <laughs> And there's debate on why did she not do it. We're not told. Some scholars say, well, what he was really saying was have her come over here with only her royal crown, nothing else. And you can, so you can see Vashti is a brave woman of, of principle. And if, if, if nothing else, it's that, no, I am your wife. And you're not going to bring me in, whether she's fully clothed or not, and just show me in front of all this, this drunken assembly that they've been drinking for seven days, some of them for 180 days. You wonder how many of them died of alcohol poisoning, but, but that, that I, I'm not going to do it. Now, what is Xerxes' reaction? He was like, okay, darling, I'm sorry, that was a bad idea. <laughs> which is what he should have done. But no, he's not. He probably, even if he were sober, would still have been angry. But, you know, he's been drinking a lot. And it says he was enraged. His anger burned inside him. He's just totally livid. And so what does he do? Does he go sit and think, okay, what did I do wrong? No, he, he goes and he calls seven of his wise men, his, his cabinet. Now, what have those guys been doing for the last 187 years? You know, they've been, yeah, on his tab. I mean, so it's not like they were paying for it, so, so they're just as drunk as he is. And, and, and he, 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 he brings them in and he says, well, let's see. He brings them in. He said to the wise men, now this is, says, they know the king's procedure. They're versed in all the law and judgment. Like, these guys are supposed to be sharp. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like insult on top of injury. They, they know what's supposed to go on. He brings them in. Mimucan, apparently his, his chief of staff, speaks for them, and, and he says, King, you got it right, but it, there's even more to it than this. She's not only insulted you, she's insulted every man in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. Because what's going to happen? Oh, all these other ones, they already know about it. I mean, this has taken, you know, minutes, an hour, two hours to send over there, get her, and they find their way back. They, they might have had a hard time finding their way to the king. They find their way back. And they tell him he's angry. He calls them in. They start uh, conversing and deciding what are we going to do. And, and, and Mimi Ken says, all these other women are going to find out. You know, next thing you know, they're going to want to vote. I mean, it's, it's, it's like it can't get any worse. What do we do? And, and so their, their plan, Mimi Ken says, just you've got to make a decree a royal decree, a decree from the king 
And according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, it cannot be revoked. Okay, does that remind you of anything? Go back to Daniel chapter 6. They said they, they wanted to get rid of him. They said, make, make uh, the, the, the king come up with a decree that anybody that prays to any other god other than you, Darius, for the next 30 days is going to be thrown in the, in the lion's den. You know, so this was this is sort of a validation of just that, that idea, that rule, law of the Medes and the Persians. It seems rather silly because then you just make another one that sort of supersedes, you know, that one or, or changes the wording of that one. But he says, make a decree that her royal position is, is to be given to somebody. Look at that last three words, five, five words. Someone who's better than she is. He's not going to find anybody that's better than she is as far as her, her character, her, her bravery. But he says, make a decree. She is to be cast out of your presence. Well, she wasn't in his presence anyhow. She didn't want to be in his presence. But we're going to cast her out anyhow. We're going to get rid of her. We're going to bring somebody in. Now, this advice, what does it say? made the king totally unhappy because he knew he was going to miss, miss Vashti. No, it says it pleased him. And not only him, but all the other princes, they think, okay, this is gonna, we're going to nip this in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it. And, 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 and just, just get rid of this idea that these women can tell us no. And so it pleased them. And so he sent letters to all of the 127 provinces in their own language. You know, just these are the wise men. It's a good thing he didn't go to the dummies, the uneducated, that, that no telling how they would have messed it up. So they send this decree out that to everyone in his own nation and, and according to their, their, their languages. So chapter 1 is, is really kind of a an introduction of, of the, the setting, the context, the, the events going on in, in the kingdom of, of um, Xerxes, in the 5th century B.C. If you notice, this is the, the, the third year of his reign. His father had died. He had gone down to Egypt, quelled that, uh, squashed that rebellion. He was preparing to go into, into Greece and, and fight, uh, revenge his father's defeat there in the third year. We're going to get another, um, an, another hint uh, in, in chapter 2 of how much time there is between the end of chapter 1 and the, and the beginning of chapter 2. But so what do we know if you hear Esther, the book of Esther, anything come to mind as far as just the book, the, the, what it's known for? God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. So let me ask you a question. 
Who is the main character in the book of Esther? God. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, but he is the main character. Matthew Henry says that, that though he's not mentioned, the finger of God is obvious in directing all of these events, everything that happens, that it's, that it's, it's the, the providence of God. Is providence an old word that we use, don't use, misuse, neglect, don't think of. If somebody says, well, it's providence, what do you think of? Okay, I'll tell you. Um, I'm not going to tell you the answer, but I'll, you know I'll eventually tell you the answer, but I think it's a word that we just don't use anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, because I, I work with a bunch of guys at, you know, warehouse, furniture installation, and, you know, I mean, it's got way too many ladders for you know, most of our conversations, but, uh, but what, is providence a, a bygone word? What does it mean? What, what do you think it means? An act of God? Rhode Island? Is it the capital or is there another? Joe Biden? Boy, this is not going at all like, <laughs> like I thought it was going to. We got modern, didn't we? Yeah. And this is modern. This king, what? He's arrogant. He's boastful. He says, look at this great. Everybody come in and see my great palaces. You know, I've got couches. I, I don't think they made it out of gold. I'm thinking threads of gold, but, you know, threads of gold and silver in there. Uh, and these sofas and, and all of this marble and all these other things, mother of pearl, mosaic pavements, um, silver rods. I mean, this is like, this is not your, your Chip and Joe shiplap, you know, type of thing. This is, this is, you know, like make Buckingham Palace probably look like, you know, the, 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 the slums. It, this is just extravagant. God is not mentioned, and yet he is clearly the main character in the book of Esther. Though he's not, though he's not mentioned, we see the, the providential hand of God. The word comes from a Latin word that I'm not even going to try to to, to pronounce, but, but it, pro, which means before, and I had it written down somewhere. Anyhow, the second half, videnz, video, see, that it's like to see beforehand, that it's, that it's God's foreknowledge, but also it's God's protective care and in many times, his invisible protective care. That it's, that it's, yes, God protects us, but sometimes it's, it's invisible. We don't even see it. You know, think about the times when you're, you're, you're driving and you come across this, you, you started out late, five minutes late. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be late. And you come across this terrible accident. 
and you're saying, oh man, I'm, I'm glad I was late today. It's the invisible hand of God protecting us. You know, other times it might be finding out about an illness by um, what seems like coincidence. There are no coincidences that, that God's hand and His protection, many times even if we don't realize it or see it, is, is there upon us. But as we go through, we see not just providence, but also human responsibility to act. That we'll see that this poor little orphan girl who probably had, she lost her mother and her father and, and had cried herself to sleep, undoubtedly, many, time, many days, ends up in one of the capitals of the Persian Empire, Susa, and, and is there exactly at the time when God needs her, and she takes that responsibility. So you have the providential care of, of God, but also a call for human action, responsibility, and, and, and answering that call. Some say that, that, that the Jews had a question in, in looking at Esther, because it's been, it's been debated through the centuries of, it doesn't mention God in, in both the, the Jewish community and also in, in New Testament times in, in the Christian era of, how can this be in the Bible? It doesn't even mention God. You know, it doesn't mention prayer. It doesn't mention the, the plan, the, the God's redemptive plan. But that, so the, the question that the Jews asked early was, how is it that we are still here? And that Esther answered that question. How is it that we're still here after all these centuries, our disobedience, our going to, to Babylon? It's because God was in control and he doesn't abandon his people. He, 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 he keeps his, his promises. He, he, he does what he says he's, he's going to do. So, if you get a chance, read ahead. It's, it's, it's almost a, a book, an account, a story where you start reading, it's like you don't want to stop. You just want to keep going and see because it's, it's, it's compelling and it's interesting. It's, 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 it's just this account of these events, this story that, that though it happened a long time ago, and though God's name is not mentioned in it, just his, his hand is all over the, the book of Esther in guiding things. To, why? To save the Jewish people. Yeah, 50,000 of them had gone back to Israel. But what if all these others, not to spoil the ending, get killed as, as Haman wanted or annihilated this genocide before the 20th century genocide of, of Nazi Germany and, and others, what if they had all been annihilated? They weren't going to be because God had promised Abraham that, that his descendants would be greater than the sands of the sea, that, that he promised David he'd always have a, a king on his throne. But if, if Haman had his way and the Jews were, were all annihilated. Remember, Jerusalem is still part of the Persian Empire, and they go and they kill all of them. Where would Jesus, Jesus have come from? 
that just God's protective plan in fulfilling His promises. Any other observations or, um, dare I say, questions on Esther? Well, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we know that there's just different types of, of literature in your word, that there are letters from the apostles that, that teach us how to live, how to follow you. There are wisdom writings. There are historical narratives. God, may we be able to just kind of step into this account as we study it in these coming weeks that we can see your presence, though your name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, that we see your mighty hand in delivering your people once again, knowing that you still love your people, that you love us, that you protect us so many ways that, that many times we don't, we don't even think about it or realize it. God, I just thank you and ask that you just bless our time these next few weeks as we look into this, to this account. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.